what your official title is, Guthrie, but I mean, the dude played in the NFL, whether you're going to say how long it was or not, but played in the NFL for a little bit, runs a department, um, is a dad, is a husband, and that's kind of what we were talking about off air. Um, you know, as you run a department, how are you able to balance the things, you know, that are required of you in your job, but also required of you in your job as a, as a dad and a husband? That's been one of the biggest learnings, I think, I've been uh, in this position for 15 months or a little more so now um, and really trying to figure that out. It's not, you don't balance. There's no, we've talked about, there's no work-life balance You because the priorities are different, right? The family and my wife and my child are more important at the end of the day. Um, if I get fired tomorrow, they're going to post, post a new position for the next director of strength and conditioning here. But, and that's their duty but that doesn't happen with, with family. They're not, not getting a replacement. So, um, they're not just like, Hey, you know what? We're going to yeah. fire you and find a new dad and a husband. Like some, sometimes, uh, they'd like that, but no, that doesn't, doesn't happen. And so trying to keep that in perspective and prioritize that, uh, it's been kind of one of the things I'm trying to get better at. It's not perfect. It's kind of drinking through a fire hose when you come in starting, especially for me, I was an assistant for eight and a half years and then finally getting opportunity to run the department. Um, so trying to learn, learn how to do that in a new city across the country, uh, with not many friends in the area. We have fortunately my wife's family is, is three and a half hours away, um, in the same state, which, which is nice. Uh, my parents will come to visit for like three weeks at a time, um, all the way from Iowa. So that's, that's great. But, um, it's, it's been a, a challenge for us. And so that's an area for, um, that we're trying to improve at daily. Right. Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> the, the big thing that stood out to me right there is when you talked about being an assistant for eight and a half years and then getting to run the show. So for any of our listeners out there that multiple positions, Hey, they just became in charge and they're like, Oh fuck, what do I do? They're looking to you for a piece of advice right now. Or if there's somebody that's in year six, year seven, year five as an assistant, like, man, when am I going to get my break? When am I going to get my break? What do you say to that person that's been an assistant for a while wondering, is it ever going to come to fruition? And then what do you say to the person that just took over and is in charge? Yeah, I was never one that was like, oh, I want to be a director at a power five or I want to work with football or basketball or, you know, any one thing. So that's where I really just tried to be where my feet were and and make that a big time where I'm sat. That's kind of a cliche, but good really too. enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy enjoyed the work where I was um, at UIC. I had a great relationship with my boss, Nick Sestatis, kind of started out there as an unpaid intern, then a paid intern, uh, and then a, a full-time, got my master's there. And so I had a really great opportunity to grow and develop uh, with with him and, and the department there. Um, and so I didn't, at that point, I didn't have family. I didn't have, you know, I love Chicago and the, the city. I didn't need anything else. Right. I love the teams I was working with and, and the work day to day. Um, but then you get a relationship and then you have a kid, you get married, things change. Um, and so it was, it was time to kind of start looking for that next, next step. Um, and we'd had some changes in administratively and, um, they had brought in, uh, Mike Schweiger kind of from Northwestern. He oversees, oversaw the department, um, and kind of, we're starting to go a different direction. And so I was able to take kind of things from both Nick and Mike to bring forward. And so 
one of the things reflecting back on that transition from school to school. Um, I don't think we did a good enough job promoting ourselves uh, as a as a department. And I don't mean like social media uh, self promotion, but within the um, university or within the administration. And so like, I think our students knew we did good work, our coaches, but at the end of the day, there was a disconnect between administration and um, strength and conditioning, which I, I think can happen often, um, talking to other colleagues around. Um, and so I'm really focused on how we can grow that and keep that relationship strong here. Um, coming in, that was a big focus, but then also, you know, growing the communication and between strength and conditioning, um, athletic training, the sport coaches and growing that from here. Cause one of our challenges is we have three weight rooms in two different buildings wow. across. It's like three miles between buildings. So some of my staff, I don't oh see God. all the time. Right. So yeah, that's not easy. And then our coaches offices might be across the street, uh, in townhomes or, uh, at the other, you know, the Mount Vernon campus. And so really trying to find ways for our staff to be, uh, intentional about their communication and try to promote that, uh, is, is huge. How do you, and, and you know, I, as I hear you saying it, like, obviously it's, it's difficult cause it's not what I'm used to now, but I remember Brian Phillips, when he was at JMU, he was talking that he had, you know, multiple weight rooms and trying to do a better job. So the reason I'm saying all this is some of our listeners out there are in that position, whether they're directors or their assistants, what's your piece of advice on how to be really intentional with your communication to keep everybody on the same page to then serve the athletes? Yeah. The strategies I've tried to use and it's still updating and iterating and always trying to get better at it. Um, cause you get busy being busy doing the day to day. And so that's, that's an area as I'm, you know, the basketball season is, is ended and trying to shift into kind of the off season mode, but then also keep the director, uh, part of my job at the forefront as well. Um, but some of the, the tactic or, uh, tactics have been weekly emails or periodic emails, um, updating all the stakeholders in, um, in the goings on of sports performance. So, you know, kind of a, a template that we have for our staff is, you know, what is, what has been done in, in the recent last week, um, any data updates, good or bad, and then kind of highlight or like what's to come the weight room insight. Uh, what's that way, the sport coach, the sport coaches you should be talking to daily anyways, yeah. but at, same thing with athletic trainers, but keeping the sport admins in the loop, um, keeping the, academics in the loop what's going on because the weight room can be a scary place there's guys like us with beards and tattoos and loud music and yelling um but it doesn't have to be that way in terms of like letting them in in terms of you know how we operate making sure they understand that there is a scientific basis backing to what we do it's not just you know grunting and, and lifting more weights it's a fun part of it but there is actually a rationale and um behind what how we're operating what let's dive into that what is your philosophy as a director how do you go about educating the staff that you have like okay this is how we're going to train the athletes that we have here like these are the movements we're for sure never going to do or like do you have things like that because you know when i was at harvard phrase was like listen we're not doing like we're not pulling from the floor right and they used to when they were with fit so like have you done things of that nature where you at with that no i'm much more uh, autonomy within structure. So 
we're fortunate. We have three GAs, three full-time uh, staff right now, and they're basically the head strength coaches of their teams. So we have no one has more than three teams. Um, and as long as they're not doing anything crazy, um, they're, they're good to go. Right. I, I gained a lot of benefit from that as my time when I was starting out. And, um, I think there's a lot of uh, benefit to that, uh, within reason, right. It might not work for everyone, but for us, we have high level, I feel like high level practitioners. When I came in, they're already doing it. They just hadn't had a director for a year or plus. Um, and so just kind of needed that commander's intent. The biggest focus on my side is creating common language. So, uh, making sure cleaning up our team builder, all the exercises and getting all that, you know, making sure we're speaking that same language first in our department, but then with athletic trainers, with sport coaches, uh, making sure that they are understanding the difference between, uh, I don't know, like incline bench press and incline row, like getting that stuff, you know, organized has, has been a big project. As you get things organized, how how many members on your high performance team are there? Do you guys have a nutritionist, uh, athletic training, sports psychology? How have you been able to assimilate all of those aspects, you know, where you're at? Right now it's, there are six strength and conditioning coaches or sports performance. We're, you know, kind of changing our name as to, to be that. Um, we're fortunate. We have a good number of athletic trainers. Um, my direct supervisor, Chris Henley, has been here 27 years first as an athletic trainer wow, and now that's long. now he's yeah and he it's funny because he uh was athletic trainer when tanya our athletic director was an athlete here and Shut so up. that's unbelievable yeah so you never know what athlete might be your boss someday so treat them well <laughs> um and so he kind of oversees student athlete health wellness and performance as my supervisor and so within that we We've had nutritionists in the past part-time. Uh, psychology, the mental health is a huge priority for us. So I currently don't have uh, in-house, but we're looking at options in terms of bringing in both the nutrition and uh, the sports psychology. I'm more, I'm not that I'm uninterested in the mental health, but for the performance side, I'm interested in that as well. How would you go about uh, rolling it out? And let's say in a perfect world, you already had it. What would like speak to those that have it and kind of give them some guidance in your, in your perfect world as you know, what you would like to see it. From like a department and the, that high performance model. Yeah. I think it's a great question because you look at like the highest level, but there's still teams that have injuries, teams that people fall through the cracks. Um, so I think just getting everyone in the same room, um, that's one of our challenges is just getting meetings more often. Um, like my wife does, doesn't understand that we don't have like shared count or we have a shared calendar, but like, you can't put yourself on someone else's calendar, which happens all the time in her work. <laughs> um, so just like trying to create the system to facilitate some of those things, whether it's like checklists and, um, that's really the focus right now. Uh, I would say. I really think we could bring more people in, but I want to make sure we're doing really good with the people we do have. Um, if that makes sense. So like making sure we're taking care of our house first in terms of strength and conditioning, are we providing the best service? Are we, you know, getting people stronger, faster, fitter, and then we can worry about some of those other, you know, bigger picture issues. Not that they're, uh, they're obviously interconnected. Um, but like get the big rocks first. 
Um, one of the questions I had as you were talking about that was, I, I know from, you know, on the site um, that you do a great job with, you know, staff evals and, you know, how does that, how did that get created? All right. For those um, that aren't members, you know, they'll get access to this right here because it'll be on YouTube, but how do you go about evaluating your staff so that way they can continue to learn so that way we can push the field forward because the more standardized, you know, assessments are the better it is for everybody. Yeah, that's a, a big part of my role, I feel like, is their development. Um, and a couple of the, the pieces that I've integrated is, uh, I think I got them from Mike Silbernagel, um, who's at University of Mary. When I got the, the position, called him because he's been there. He, he started the department from No Strength Coaches. So, and now he has like three or four graduate assistants and full-time assistants at a D2. Um, is really, you know, someone I look up to and connected through Nick. Um, and so there's kind of two parts to it. First is a self-eval that the strength coach and myself will go over uh, periodically, maybe two to three times a year. And it's kind of a, not a quadrant, but a, a rubric in different areas like uh, communication, uh, equipment, and like maintenance, uh, education, uh, and then like programming. Um, and so like there's kind of three levels above expectations, meet, meet expectations, and below. And then there's certain criteria within that. Uh, that we can just talk through um, and they, they fill it out and then we meet uh, and go and go over it. And like, hey, what's holding you back from this area? What do you need? All right, you're not reading enough. What are some strategies uh, to to help do that? Um, and then the second piece of that is the sport coach eval mm, for, yeah. um, for the strength conditioning staff. And it's not evaluating, you know, the, the basketball coach isn't evaluating me on my ability to get people stronger or faster because that's that's for my supervisor or us as strength coaches to determine. Um, but it's more, how well are we communicating? How are we working with athletic trainer? Um, are we interested in the sport? Are we, um, you know, an extension of the staff? Are we help meeting with recruits? Um, and so that's been a nice way to send out after each team's competitive season, uh, to get feedback and then start conversations both for myself individually with the sport coach, but then with the staff member uh, as well uh, to kind of get their sense of it. You take it, you know, the context uh, is important, who it's coming from, what their experience are, is, uh, or has been. Mm -hmm. uh, is what's one of the, the things we've had a lot. When you have three GAs, you're going to have turnover, but then even you know, in college athletics in general, right, there's a lot of turnover. And so trying to create that stability from my side is, is important. Uh, like one of our, our, I think our water polo has had like five strength coaches in two years. Wow. So trying to, yeah. So trying to create some consistency with that. Uh, and it's various factors, right? There's many things with, uh, that was well before my time. So, um, trying to create that stability and then consistency through, uh, just kind of my, my role. Um, speaking, you know, you said water polo, I know you also work with gymnastics. You mentioned that, um, for our listeners out there that are like, okay, dude, how do you train water polo? Like, you know, and there's, there's been a lot of times where people, um, I'll never forget this from, oh gosh, I forget his name. He, who just, uh, Brian, who just did the swim presentation. He's like, look, you mm -hmm. know, you, you get to be an assistant with football, but you have to be the head, um, swim strength coach. I feel like that's the case with a lot of these other sports, you know, and I love swim and dive worked with them here in 2019, fell in love with them. Um, one of the things, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of rambling on is 
how how did you start working with obscure teams or teams that are not as you know traditionally thought of needing the weight room? How did you do a really good job working with them? And then how do you educate your staff that maybe, like you said, this turnover, and if they're working with a team they've never worked with before, how do you educate them so then that way our listeners can be like, all right, this is what I need to do? Yeah, it's really, uh, for me, my experience, like when I started at, at UIC, I was a paid intern because they had created that position because they started the women's soccer program in 2013. They had five women training all that year. So it was me and five of them. They were doing like two on two, like all year, like crazy. That's like um, me and the throwers right now. There's only three yeah. of them. There's three yeah. throwers on this roster. Yeah. And so like the next year they brought in, you know, 21 freshmen or recruits uh, to start the competitive uh, program. But that was my first team. And then I had women's golf and women's gymnastics. And so the only team I could actually see compete was gymnastics. And so the biggest thing uh, we actually were talking about it today on a, um, a GA interview was is like getting out to the sport practice or getting out to the competitions when you can really helps a lot, both um for learning a sport you don't know like isaac avon who works with our water polo he didn't know much about what he knew of water polo but nothing about the specifics so he he'll go to practice he's he went to every meet he could um that also gets a lot of buy-in in terms of from the athletes because they see that you're not just a weight room person um so that's something we try to value um but also guarding guarding our time you're not going to be at every practice um because that's that's too much. Uh, yeah, you're to not, you're not but, able to yeah. do that. But like you said, how do you balance the the that dichotomy? Yeah, it's it, it doesn't take a lot of investment from your side, I don't think, to to see how invested you are for the athletes to see how invested you are. Uh, and then the, the actual mechanics of it, of course, you know, needs analysis, doing research on the sport, watching it online, because um, that's one of it. With our interns, we try to do is like assign them a weird sport that's not normal like they don't see like aussie rules football we've done sevens rugby uh we did boxing one year so like different mixed stuff like that that they don't really know about uh gaelic football like <laughs> like but the principles in most sports are the same in turn 80 to 90 percent of what you're going to do is probably similar right so uh trying to take that but then how you coach in that room might be you're going to might be a little different with gymnastics than you are with golf uh, than you are with football or basketball or soccer, right? So trying to learn those team cultures, sport cultures, but also the team culture uh, quickly and, and get on board with that uh, has helped. One of the things that I also wanted to, you know, part of the reason I had you on was I kind of wanted to know, like, what's your passion? How do you continue to do what you do? Because I think you do run a department at a very high level, right? And and you said you've only been doing it for 15 months. Like, how have you been able to, whether you'll admit it or not, like, you don't have to, I'll say it. How, like, what's your processes? Like, what's your why? How have you been able to be, again, and I think so, so successful in, in the time doing what you've been doing? Well, thanks. I appreciate it. So it doesn't always feel successful, but um, when you're, you're in the thick of it, but really um, I'd say, still building the processes. Um, I think eating the elephant one bite at a time, that's been like a mantra this last year. Cause like you come on and it's drinking through a fire hose. So, uh, just trying to really prioritize, like we have a, I have a, we have a Trello that we share, but then I made my own. Oh, what? Um, Sorry. It's, I'm gonna interrupt. it's called tre Trello T R E L L O. It's basically like an organization, organizational platform. Um, oh, okay. 
it's like almost like a dashboard. You can like pin, pin different things okay. and you can share them. You can like make checklists. That's been really helpful. Um, that like we have a shared staff one. So all our passwords, all our like cleaning tasks, uh, supplement tracking, all that stuff is on there. But then I have my own for a director one, then I can have my own, you know, notes and kind of a note taking, uh, and organizational. So just using strategies like that, but trying to find what's important, what's urgent and differentiate between those. Cause there's always more to do. There's always more projects I could work on. There's more programming, more everything. And so that's been kind of probably, I would say a struggle. I feel like it's been a struggle. Um, whether it looks like that or not, I'm the duck calm on the surface, but pedaling like hell underneath. Right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been my process. That's really helped us like that chunking and just like biting smaller bites. Um, another question that I had and, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on and I think any of our people that are in that dual role like you're in, what's it like being in any of those higher level administrative meetings and then, you know, going back down onto the floor of like, you know, working with the athletes, maybe knowing things that they can't know yet and having privy information, like how do you handle that and manage just all of that while still having, you know, the basketball team there like that, that can't be easy to do. Yeah. I think it's just trying to be your best self in that moment, like the best version of yourself. Um, so like on our wall inside, I think got from Molly Benetti at, at South Carolina. Um, we have it on the inside of the office before we walk onto the floor. It's like, who does this person or team need me to be um, mm. in this moment? Uh, there's two other things I'm blanking right now, but um, like, am I going to be them? And then like, you know, basically put yourself in that mindset when you're heading out there. Um, I think is, is really good because we, other things, our interns, we've sent them like WWE promo tapes and like, watch this. Like cause I'm naturally an introverted person. I don't really get energy from people. Um, <laughs> but guess what? I'm around people all day. And so sometimes you have to kind of put that, not mask on, but uh, play that best version of yourself for that team that needs that. Like women's gymnastics, 7 a.m., they love they or they may not love it, but they've created a culture with it. They're just yelling, let's go G dub and you know, the whole time encouraging each other because that's the standard that their coaches set. And so mm -hmm. for me, that's like uh, chicken soup for a strength coach's soul. I don't have to do much. It's just, you know, protect that culture. But some of the other sports uh, that have worked with you might have to do a little more in that in that role and and bring that up be the the thermometer not the thermostat and so um, just trying to think about those things before you take a breath before you go for that session and um, kind of leave the other stuff at the door because the coaching is is probably more of the fun part you get to you know see the athletes improve <clears throat> building off of that where do you see the field going trend wise uh, over the next you know couple years. I know it's hard to predict the future, but from somebody that's been doing it for quite some time now, you've seen changes and trends. Where do you see this thing going? I don't know. Cause it's like a, it's a race, somewhat a race to the bottom in terms of the, I hope there's, we can do better job of showing our value to the administrators um, and the decision makers uh, because it's, you see people, good people leaving, um, going tactical or going in other jobs. And um, there's more, people that look like us that will step right into the role. Right. And so just trying to impact where I'm at is, is what I'm focused on. I can't control what happens to the field, but I know there's 
good people in it. But then also there's a, I feel like there's a way to make our lives better through it as well. Um, whether that's just work-life balance and, um, not being, not guarding a desk and, and then just enjoying what you do and being around good people, uh, has been, I think key for us. We have a great staff and I just, every time we can have a staff meeting and, uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, we don't get to do it as much as, as we'd like, cause we're all coaching all over the place. Like I said, with our three weight rooms and in two buildings. But, uh, when we do, it's, it's a blast. And it's like, go to Fogo to Chow for dinner. And like, not, not that often. Cause can't afford that that can't much. hide money yeah no um not on the the school's dime either so i try to pass that forward as like you know when you're you're older or you've had more experience yeah I'll, I'll bring in fritters for the staff or i'll get um you know try to create some of those those aspects where it's not just sorry i can't pay you more but can't, you have time to work a, a another job or you know do the things you want to do within that is that, you know, the four P's we always talk about is that progression may not be like another title, but it could be, you know, you're handling more of social media, you're handling this project or that project. Right. So trying to um, create some of those opportunities for us as well. How have you been able to best work with your athletic trainers and sports medicine staff? And how have you helped mentor your staff to be able to model that and use that, you know, athlete centered uh, approach to getting them back on the field or keeping them, you know, robust. I feel really fortunate because both here and at UIC, we had like the best relationships. Um, part of it is being so close to them. So both uh, at UIC, our weight room and, and training room are right next to each other. So we could talk all the time, run in, run out. Um, here, it's the same thing. We're down the hall at both facilities. And so um, it's really, that that's great. And we just encourage them to meet at least weekly talk daily. Um, we do, uh, Steven Kim, who's our men's basketball athletic trainer. And I, uh, I don't know if it was our idea, but we are in charge of this. We call it common ground. So maybe every other week, um, sometimes a little less during basketball season, but, uh, a meeting between all of us, the athletic trainers and strength coaches, and that's our common ground. And we just pick a body part and then go through what are the common injuries? What are, uh, what, how do we strength train it? Um, what are injury risk reduction techniques or discussions, and then usually finish with a, a case study of a return to play um, on that that area. And so we started that last spring, and then we were going to do like, oh yeah, a body part each each session. We spent four weeks on the foot and ankle. So, um, and like we started from the ground up, and then now we're at wrist. Or we just are not finished yet with uh, hand and and wrist and elbow. And so it's, it's been really good to get us all in the same room or at least over zoom, uh, most of us in the same room. And then just, again, that gets back to that common language where we can talk about what does extensive plyometrics mean? What are, you know, hinging squatting and then vice versa in the training room, what are the modalities they're looking at? Um, what are, you know, their progressions for, all right, you have a, an ankle sprain. What's your first line of defense? What, what is your process? And we can kind of understand you know, bridge that gap from both sides. Oh, okay. That's, that makes sense. How about I can do this in the, in the weight room? And we talked through some of those kind of scenarios. So it's been really valuable, really valuable for us. So working within the sport of basketball and talking about the foot for as long as you did controversial topic, bracing, not bracing, taping, not taping, uh, the, the foot and ankle. What are your thoughts? What'd you guys talk about with it? 
uh, most of us are actually anti bracing, not anti, but like generally don't encourage it. Um, and same thing with taping, unless you absolutely need it. So a lot of our, we'd just rather get stronger, um, in the muscles and the joints. Um, and so that's generally, there are, there are people, our athletes that will tape and will brace, but that's usually up to them. We don't make them do it. Um, my wife thinks I have a foot fetish cause I'm watching all the foot and ankle videos and, you know, Chris Corfus and Cal Deed spring ankle ISO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. you know, so she, she gives me crap on that. Um, have you, I forget the name of the guy's book, but the, um, wrote the book called what the foot. Oh, my oh God. yeah. Gary Ward, Gary Ward. Yeah. Like, I have not, I've not read it. I've only seen just through like podcasts, um, some of that stuff. Yeah, no. And I mean like the, the whole, one of the things, you know, we'll, we'll nerd out here for a minute, but just talking about how, uh, forefoot and rear foot actually move in opposition of one another. Like that was just a completely new concept for me. Um, because you and your staff talked about it for so long, kind of educate our listeners on, you know, what happens at that foot and ankle complex, because I didn't appreciate the importance of it until 2018, maybe 2019. So kind of talk about what y'all, you know, did during those four weeks. Oh, I mean, the biggest thing we, we talked about so many things like the different surfaces people are on kind of like, we all brought it back to two. It's like, man, it's the sport practice that matters probably the most. Um, and it depends on the sport, but like the strat, any like you know, open chain banded ankle work is like, is that really doing anything? Of course yeah. Okay. Is. You could do it. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, so we talked a lot about the ankle ISOs and some of our favorites with kind of progressions or regressions with that, but man, and if some of those mechanic stuff is too much, too much for me. Um, and so I haven't got into that much because like, also, can you coach it with a group of, you know, 15 basketball guys, um, or 40 swimmers, right? Like how, how are you going to take that and make it digestible and manageable, scalable to that? Um, so I can't have a good answer for you. Cause I don't know. And I'm still learning about it. Like, um, I just got David Gray's foot and Achilles rehab course. Um, I got it pulled up, but it's, it's like, and you really need to spend some time on this myself um, yeah, yeah, before no, I it, implement it with anyone. Right. Yeah. David's, I mean, David's stuff is fantastic with, uh, you guys had lower body basics too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we use some of those, um, bits and pieces of those strategies. Uh, the, we had a pretty nasty patellar tendinopathy in the last year. And so really you, the Jake Torres, uh, knee, knee protocol was huge using that as a framework, but then taking some of that from the lower body basics helped a lot too. Um, with, with some of our, I've used it with the, probably the foam roller hamstring, Oh God, it's like so hard killer, like especially I, single leg. Ugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the gymnast on that and like just kept getting them to raise their heel, raise their heel and they're just screaming. But yeah, that's one of the best bangs for your buck. I feel like <clears throat> looking back at what you've, you know, done and, and evolved in those 15 months, what has been the biggest growing point for you? What has been the like, Oh man, can't believe I did that. Or like, who, how did I forget to do this? I think the biggest growth point is being better at home husband. Um, because it was, you think about the con the last three years for everyone really, but for us personally is we had met in 2017, we got engaged in 2019 planning a wedding, COVID pushed the wedding back a year. 
we got pregnant, we got married, the courthouse, had the wedding in 2021, uh, changed jobs, moved three weeks, you know, got a director uh, interviewed in like, I don't know, October, November of 2021. Three weeks later, I was living in Arlington um, and then moved the family 10 days later after that, went back to Chicago, moved up two part appointment across the country, uh, you know, drove two days. Our, our stuff was almost as all this stuff, right? She, uh, my wife's working from home, um, fortunate to keep her job that was in Chicago. So, you know, no transition there. Um, but like not a ton of friends in the area with some family. And so trying to, to balance that, she's literally in the home all the time. Um, and so how can I be a better husband split up, like better roommate first, right? Like just doing the dishes, <laughs> taking the yeah. trash out, right? Like it's not cause yeah. she's in the home all the time. She's thinking it has this running list in her head. And so for me to try to realize that and like, Oh, can I take more off her plate? And it's not perfect, but it's been much better, especially with basketball travel. It is challenging. Ooh. It's tough. And you know, with football, right? Oh. Seven days a week. Um, we were fortunate. I feel fortunate. This, the staff we have, we took almost every day off after the game, unless it was like two days, you know, a shorter cycle. Yeah. Um, so every, almost every Sunday I was home. This, that's this what season. this new coaching staff wants to do. They want to have Sunday off, right? Like that's that's something that I think that's actually something that I had been trying to push here for since 2020 during COVID, right? I was trying to push for that, um, not only for the players but for the coaches too, you know, because that's kind of something that I, I mean, it was not my original idea. It was just completely stolen from Fergus. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the whole yep. notion of hey, give the coaches an opportunity to empty the bucket of stress, give the coaches an opportunity to figure out what they're going to tell the players the next time they see them, just you know, and not to mention the psychological benefit for the players. And, you know, DeMarco's talked about the fact of, okay, if your family's in town and you can go see them and spend longer time, like just all of that, right. They can be in dynamic system, um, human beings. Yeah, no, I think that was huge for us, especially in our, our season. We had some guys out for the year and a, a small roster. And I think it allowed us to keep us a little fresher down, down the end. And same thing, the coaches didn't want to say something in the heat of the moment after the game there a lot of times it wasn't even like you know post game talk wasn't like if we won or lost good or bad it was like we'll watch the film we'll talk about it we did this really good you know on first impression and then all right let's get out of here <laughs> you know yeah. there's not not much to say after a game uh good or bad uh which i really appreciated uh from the these coaches and then all right watch the film and we'll get di deep dive into what we need to get better at and what we did well but um i feel like those things are kind of underappreciated and uh, how how teams operate um, so that's when it's been cool in the last year. The first staff I was here with uh, got let go after the, the season. And so having a new staff to kind of compare and contrast uh, the good and the bad is, has been interesting. <clears throat> you know, now as you are in that time where you said basketball's away, um, you know, without giving away any of your secrets, but what, you know, as you're now getting even more and more comfortable in your role and everything, um, they say that an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator doesn't really have their system in place until year three, four you know, you're, you're going to start year three or off season three. Like, so what's kind of been some of the things that you're getting excited to plan and trust? You know what I mean? Really off season two last, cause I came in in December of 2021. And so the season was already going right. And so um, really only the, the second full off season and with the, the new staff as well. So it's really been talking with them, uh, having a common understanding. All right. Now we know each other a little bit. What are the kind of, how do we want to train practice? So just really trying to grow, um, their bodies and develop them 
in every area. Big thing for me is level up. I don't want them to be able to not do anything on the court if they need to from every area, strength, speed, power, uh, work capacity. Um, so the big focus, I think like a lot of people do postseason is like rebuild the tissue, restore a bigger range of motion, um, build some muscle. Uh, and then in the, in the summer, there's still more individual workouts. And so it's really, that's the prime, get strong, get fast time. Uh, but then, like you said, system, trying to make it a little more systematic with what are the, the KPIs we really need to track. Mm. I've done a lot of like re- record, rank and publish with teams in the past and, you know, brought a similar principles and, and philosophy in the last year, which I feel like was was important to drive some of that those metrics, just intent at the very least. But then now it's pulling back and seeing what are the ones that probably are the most important for them. Um Versus doing 10 different jump tests. Can I just pick three or four and do those a little more frequently? Um, and, and so that that's really the focus right now is dialing into those. Same thing from the, the lifting perspective. Do we need to do 10 different lifts or can I really pick the big rocks? And then there's a lot trying to have levels within that of foundation. Like kind of stolen from Nick DeMarco. Yeah. A foundation, foundation plus, advanced, advanced plus. Or do we even need four levels You know, when you only have 15 guys or this last year, 13, it's really more three levels. And, um, within that, most of the stuff is the same, but it's just those little tweaks, uh, for each individual, you know, whether seven footers using the safety bar to squat, other guys using the trap bar. Um, another guy might be split squatting, um, all in the same workout, but it's just nice having team builder allows us to do that, um, pretty quickly, as you know, and then, uh, um, we love you team builder. Yeah. Shout out to the sponsor. So, um, yeah, so just trying to build that more systematic so it's more repeatable. And then uh, it's clearer, I think, to the athletes, too, of, of what's expected um, in terms of what they're trying to achieve. No, man, I appreciate you. Uh, if anybody wants to continue to learn from you, where uh, where can they continue to follow you, whether it's on social media or, uh, you know, just any other avenue? Yeah, uh, my Twitter and Instagram is the same. It's Eric Guthrie, E-R-I-C-G-U-T-H-R-I-E-0-7. Um on there, it's mostly, I don't know, pictures of my cat and my kid. Uh, some training stuff, but not a ton. Uh, and then just my email is first name, last name at gwu.edu. Anyone can reach out and love to talk. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate your time. Have a good rest of the next phase of training with basketball. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Congratulations on making it to the end of the video. Why don't you celebrate by watching more videos just like it? You can also help us on our quest to placate the algorithm gods by liking, sharing, subscribing, and commenting. Thank you.